Good evening. Our purpose tonight is to listen to God speak to us through his word. We are in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament chapter 5. And we're going to encounter a phrase that describes what we ought to be doing every time we come here for Bible study and worship. Draw near to listen. So have your Bible ready in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and let's be certain that our minds are open to learn and to live better before God. Let's begin with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we express our gratitude, our love and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Help us during this time to draw near to listen and then take what we learn from this place into our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to sacrifice, I'm sorry, than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools." Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. This text is so important, and coincidentally or otherwise, it is very well placed at the center of the book of Ecclesiastes. What I want us to consider right in the beginning of the class is very simple. Chapter 5 in Ecclesiastes opens up talking to us about God. Beyond that, it can be said and is confessed by mature people that everything is really about God. In the comprehensive sense, he made us, it can be said and is confessed by mature people that we ought to obey him that our lives ought to be centered in God. He's willing to redeem sinners through Christ and take people to heaven. If I have the right perspective in view of life, everything is about God. He is at the center of everything, the cause of our existence, and the only hope we have facing death. So we begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 recognizing that this is all about God, but specifically it is about our attitude toward God. Here is where we rise above the vanity of life under the sun. 
Here is where we move beyond the oppression, the materialism, the reality of living on fallen ground, the suffering, the pain we may endure for a little while. The answer is knowing who God is and forming the right attitude and response to Him. And that's how chapter 5 in Ecclesiastes opens. This puts before us that constant imperative of Scripture. Fear God, respect God, honor and reverence Him. Now, look at the first three words. <clears throat> Guard your steps. Guard your steps. If you have the New King James, it's two words. Walk prudently. The Bible often uses walking imagery about our relationship with God to help us understand how we ought to be living before God based on what God has said and the promises God has made. Walking is a common image used in Scripture. Walking with God, for example, like Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. Walking involves choice and mobility and destination. Walking also requires care and attention. We may have had the experience of not being careful in our mobility and falling. So the imagery or illustration here is really simple. When you walk, you must pay attention where you're going. You must be careful, avoid obstacles and distractions. That's exactly what must be done in our minds and then in our actions regarding God. Carelessness in our thoughts about God are entertained to our peril. So here's the way I want to begin expressing what the main idea here is as chapter 5 opens. We must be mindful of who God is, what He has done for us through Christ, what He promises to us ultimately in heaven, but also the utter terror of trifling with God, dismissing Him thinking lightly of Him. Removing God from your life or giving Him scant attention is self-destructive. Our mindset must be to God be the glory. And as well expressed in Habakkuk, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. That's Habakkuk 2 and verse 20. It captures the same idea we're looking at in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, having to do with our attitude toward God. So, when I think of God, when I approach God in prayer or worship or in Bible study tonight, I cannot just adopt a casual ordinary attitude or let my mind drift in and out or just put in the time. This is about care and reverence and fear of God. And without this, Solomon says in the entire book of Ecclesiastes, without this attitude toward God, life on earth 
is vanity. Now let me stop there. Are you with me there? You see where this is headed in the opening verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Alright, we're going to get more specific now. We've talked about everything in our lives ought to be about God. All of our thoughts, all of our plans, all of our responses should be about God. That's a very comprehensive or generic sense. And then we've talked about the fact that we must guard our steps. Now we're going to be even more specific about attitude toward God. In this phrase, when you go to the house of God. Let's start primarily with the historical context and then work from there. And we'll be working from there back to attitude in whatever dispensation. In the Old Testament, when reference is made to going to the house of God, very often, in most contexts, that has to do with a place. For example, in the bulk of the Old Testament, it would pertain to the temple. That would be in view. The Jews went to Jerusalem and went to the temple, and in that approach to worship God, they were to guard their steps. They were to be very careful, not just about their physical steps to the temple, but about their walk with God that begins with attitude. The law of Moses set forth very specific directions to be followed by the Levites in administering worship in the temple. And before that in the tabernacle. You may remember when Moses was with God in the mountain receiving that law, the people were told to stay back and watch their conduct. And that all conveyed this concept of fearing God. Now, we are not direct participants in that old covenant system. But in the affection, the reverence, and the fear we are to have toward God... This statement is valid throughout and across any dispensational boundaries. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Without any doubt, when we come here to worship, to study, and to remember Christ, it is essential for us to know who we are honoring and be careful about our focus and our content of mind, knowing how utterly important divine things are. But let us never imagine that there are times and places away from this building when we can relax our concept, our respect for God. There is a specific reverence we ought to bring to worship, <clears throat> but there is a general reverence that we need to have about all of life and God's involvement in everything that we do all the time. Keep in mind what Solomon is going to say to us at the end of the book, at the end of Ecclesiastes. He's going to say, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Now, that pertains to when I'm here, <clears throat> but it pertains to when I'm out there. It pertains to my mindset when I come to worship, but it also pertains to my concept of God and my attitude of reverence toward Him in all that I do outside 
of this place. And at various strategic places in Ecclesiastes, Solomon calls upon us to respect God at all times in all of our daily conduct. So I must never think that there is an attitude that I turn on about God when I come in this building and that then when I leave this building I can turn that attitude all the way off and just live absorbed by the vanity of the earth. No. But this attitude Solomon is talking about, he applies here to guarding your steps when you go to the house of God. So, there is an intense and specific frame of mind and direction of reverence that we ought to bring to worship. But then there is a general reverence and respect for God that we take out of this place into all of life. You still with me there? This specific reverence that Solomon is talking about in Ecclesiastes 5 includes a number of phrases that help us understand what he means. One is to draw near to listen. That's our place with respect to God. We must never approach God to make demands. To tell him what to do or to get him told. And we must never approach God without a heart that's ready to listen and then ready to change our lives. If we just show up or attend or write a check or something without an attentive, tender heart toward God, Solomon says that's the sacrifice of fools. Whether we know it or not, we do evil even when we engage in correct acts of worship if our heart is not tuned in to the Creator. So, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Your comments. Mark down, it may already be in your reference Bible, Proverbs 15 and verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. So all through the Old Testament and all through Scripture, there is this distinction between the attitude of the fool who thinks that he can just go offer the sacrifice and do as he pleases when he's finished. And the other attitude is to maintain reverence for God that is specific to him when you're worshiping and then take that reverence with you into life when you are finished with the collective worship practice. Next, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Well, this continues to speak to us about this care of heart and reverence for God that we ought to have. The care of heart extends here to our words 
I tell you, in our time, people in the world are so quick to toss around the name of the Lord. It should be disturbing to his people, to Christians, that there is this trifling view of God. You will see in emails and Facebook and blogs, it has become very common for people to use God's name when they're not talking about anything that pertains to God or his will. They're using his name to express their surprise or their excitement. And they've even turned it into initials, O-M-G. And that, that doesn't pertain to who God is and how man ought to be on the listening end. It doesn't pertain to the will of God. It generally doesn't express any reverence for God. It's not a prayer to Him. It's a verbal example of expressing some excitement. And it's an example that ought not to be. It shows rashness of mouth and absence of good-hearted respect for the Creator. Solomon wants us to understand, while we are here under the sun, it is essential and it's fundamentally vital that God be respected. And here's another phrase that captures that. God is in heaven and you on earth. God is not an equal. He made us in his image. He gave us our habitation here on earth. He blesses us. He sent Christ to redeem us. So all doubt removed, he is not our equal. God is in heaven and you on earth. This underscores what I said a moment ago about our being on the listening end of this relationship. We are not on the end of the relationship where we give God our demands and tell him what we want him to do. We're on the listening, we're on the subordinate, the submissive end of that relationship. So Solomon says here, let your words be few. Now that's being thoughtful. Don't be rash when it comes to God. Form from the word of God very clear concepts of who he is and then let your words be few. That conveys care. Use the word of God to create good clear concepts of who God is and then let your mouth be governed by those righteous and holy concepts of who God is. So everything so far in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 is about our respect for God. You with me? Questions or comments? The rest of this, from verse 3 down through verse 7, Solomon takes us further into this matter of care about speech, leading to his imperative that God is worthy of the highest esteem. Let me read 3 to 7. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. Now Solomon's going to give us an example of the care that we ought to have when we speak to God or about God. 
When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. I look at these verses and I want to begin by expressing and forming in my mind the main idea. There is one main idea, I believe, in verses 3 to 7. We must form a high and rich awareness of who God is. And then that should govern any words. It should carefully cause us to measure any words that we might speak to God. When you make a promise to Him, you take it as seriously as He is. One of the most dangerous habits is to make promises to God on impulse. With little thought about who He is. We think of someone in some dangerous situation of risk. And they quickly say something. Lord, if you will get me out of this, I'll devote the rest of my life to you. I'll double my contribution. I'll convert a hundred people next week. I'll give all I have to the poor. You ever heard anybody do that? Or have you ever entertained such a thought? You're facing great risk and danger. And you want God to enter into your life. Now at this point, you may not have had him there before. But you want him at this particular point in this crisis. And at this particular point, you are rash with your words. Your mind is just dreaming. And you're saying, Lord, get me out of this. And then you make all these promises of things you're going to do. And then what generally happens when the risk is over? Somebody can answer here. What generally happens when the risk is over? You just, you just forget about it and go back living the way you were before you made the vow, before you made the promise. Solomon is saying to us in Ecclesiastes 5, stop and think about who God is. Guard your steps and guard your thoughts. And now where Solomon is... Guard your words. Be very careful what you say about God and to God. And if you make a promise, don't dismiss it and forget it because the risk is over. And don't deny that you said it. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And I like this part in verse 6. Do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. You ever made a promise and then when it comes time to fulfill that promise, you are so strong about not wanting to fulfill that promise, you said, I didn't make it. I didn't say that. Maybe some of us did that in our 
immaturity when we were younger. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Now, in Hebrew, that is a sort of an idiomatic expression, meaning resident in that culture and language, the idea is when someone comes to remind you of your vow or collect on the promise that you made, don't tell the messenger it was a mistake. That's being rash with your mouth. And it is provocative toward God to make a promise to him or a promise that he's listening to and have you ever made a promise God wasn't listening to no even if you made the promise only here God knows all of that and remember this that Solomon has said God is in heaven and you on earth and then he says When dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. When you just let your mind go anywhere. When your mind is not fixed on guarding your steps and knowing who God is. When when your mind just goes anywhere and you are impulsive, much dreaming, a mind that isn't focused on God, a wandering, dreaming, changing, casual view of religion and the Creator, Solomon is answering all of that. He says, God is the one you must fear. Solomon, in very beautiful Hebrew eloquence, takes us to this final statement here. God is the one you must fear. So, he begins... By talking about your steps when you approach God and how your mind needs to fully grasp who you're approaching, who God is, and who you are. You're on the listening end of that relationship. Therefore, when that works out into your words, let your words be few. Because if your mind just wonders anywhere and rashly you do not fully account for God, you're liable to make a promise or a vow and then deny it later or not keep it later. And God is listening. So he takes us here. God is the one you must fear. So let's do this. Let me read 1 to 7 in Ecclesiastes 5. See if this all comes together. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. 
Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Questions or comments? Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Before I get to my takeaways. Number one. We must recognize the difference between deity and humanity. And that's captured in a very simple phrase here. God is in heaven and you on earth. I do not believe this is just a matter of location. The simplistic view of this would be he's up there and we're down here. I think this is more than that. In view of what Solomon says in this context that has to do with reverence and care of thought that we must have before God, it seems clear to me we need to keep in mind that God is God and man is man. It is distance not just in terms of geography or physical location. It is distance in who God is and who we are. Deity and humanity, that difference needs to be very clear to us. To rely on other biblical teaching, the potter is not the same as the clay. The father occupies a different role than his children. Deity is not the same as humanity, and if we're not clear about that, we cannot really navigate life under the sun in the way God intends for us to. There is something that is in our culture and has been in our culture a long time. Sometimes it's called the New Age Religion. One of the fundamental errors of New Age Religion is it blurs this distinction between God and man. And there are many specific modern religions and worldviews that stem from New Age religion and imply, in some cases, that man can eventually become God. Or that man is God, he just doesn't know it yet. There are religions and philosophies that convey that concept. So this is one of many passages in the text of Scripture reminding us of our human status, telling us God is in heaven, we are here on earth. The distinction between deity and humanity is critical for us to live as we were intended to live while we're here on the earth and to have a good outcome after death. You with me there? Sacrifice is insufficient if it's not accompanied by listening and learning and living. Over and over again, as you read the Old Testament, it's very clear that the Israelites had this very problem that I'm talking about right here. 
they would go through the rituals and they would offer the sacrifices and engage in the specified acts of worship, even in the right place, through the Levites, but in their daily lives, they were not listening to God. Solomon says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Now, that immediately matches up with what could be a problem for us and what is a problem for many people. To go through the motions and be in the correct place and be with people who are committed to Scripture. However, having had all of those things correct, you go out there into your life and just offer the sacrifice of fools because you weren't listening to God when you were involved in those activities. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. Sacrifice, and in our case, correct worship in the correct place with people that are right is insufficient if not accompanied by listening and learning and living. Number three, watch what you say before God. And Solomon illustrates that here in verses 4 through 6 when he talks about vows. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. In the matter of making vows or promises to God, Solomon illustrates the integrity and the good intention that ought to be on our side. Let me say that again. In the matter of making vows or promises to God, Solomon illustrates the integrity and the good intention that ought to be on our side of that. When we make promises, when we state to God in prayer our intentions, our commitments to do better, our plan to serve Him and honor His Son. When we talk about that among ourselves and we talk about, here's what we're going to do, or you tell somebody, here's what I'm going to do about God in my future. We need to be very serious about that and watch what we say and then do what we say that is right because, number four, if we get anything out of Ecclesiastes 5, it ought to be we must stand in awe of God. I think this might well be the underlying theme of all of this we've looked at tonight. And you see that in those last words in verse 7. You must fear. Fear God. God is the one you must fear. Later in this marvelous book, Solomon will tell us what life is all about and he'll express it similar to this. He will say, fear God, and then he will add to that the outcome of that respect. Fear God and what? Keep his commandments. That's the outcome of respect for God. Fear God and keep His commandments. Here in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, 
we have a commentary on what it means to respect God. To hold Him in the highest esteem and be careful about all that we do and say before Him. Other questions or comments? Anything that's occurred to you from Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7? Ron. Right. Good point. Hear ye him, if you have the old King James. Expanding on that is James chapter 1, where James says in chapter 1 that the person who hears and doesn't follow through with action, that, that doesn't please God. That's vain religion in James chapter 1. So all of this connects back to this respect for God that one ought to have, as stated in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. One of the commentaries I have says this. I'll leave you with this quotation I thought was good. The trouble, of course, is that it's hard for us to listen. So many other voices in the world clamor for our attention. Even when we enter a quiet place for worship, the noise of the surrounding culture is still ringing in our ears. Now that's more than just about a siren that goes by. Much more than that. Even when we enter a quiet place of worship, the noise of the surrounding culture is still ringing in our ears. And maybe on our phones. It doesn't say that, but... I thought of that. He says it's easy to let our thoughts wander, but hard for us to hear the voice of God. Well, I hope that's what we've done tonight. I hope we've heard the voice of God. So come back Sunday morning for further studies in Ecclesiastes chapter 5.